Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what a pleasure to be here with you, Dave and Jess Sicker Perkins. Oh, thank you, Matthew Stewart. <laughs> what a blow! Oh, it's so good. Would it blow anyone's mind to know that I'm actually technically not called Dave? Wait, what? My full name is David. What? Does that blow anyone's mind? Wait, hang on a second. That doesn't make any sense. Why have we been calling you Dave all this time? Where does that come from? Well, Is that your middle name? We've got no time to discuss that because, Jess, how does this show work? Oh, why me? Okay, so this show works. One of the three of us takes a topic often suggested by our listeners. We go away, we research the topic, we bring it back to the other two who listen patiently but also interrupt a fair bit. There's some laughter, sometimes there's tears, that's usually off podcast, and (laughs) there's friendship along the way. Did I nail that? That's great. Oh, big time. I loved it. <laughs> Tears of joy, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. And we always start with a question. And it is my turn to do the report. And my question to you, Matt and David. There's <laughs> <Crazy>. no time. <laughs> my question is, what event occurred on the 25th of September 2000. 2000. All Ooh. right. Are we doing the Olympics well, you've already done closing the, ceremony? Uh, Sydney Olympics <laughs> opening ceremony. That's right. Is it the closing Please. ceremony? It is not the closing Imagine. ceremony. Yeah, that would be that wild. Is, that is like grand final week. 2000, that was uh, Essendon smashing the demons. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be talking about Essendon versus... No! Uh, <laughs> okay, you were on the right kind of track with... Uh, Olympics. Okay. What was um, sort of the one of the biggest events? Was in it the... Nikki Webster's CD <laughs> launch? <laughs> I've been kissing your strawberry kisses. It was only yeah a couple of weeks after she really wanted to capitalize on the uh, the buzz. <laughs> yeah, that's good you gotta be quick. You gotta be. You know, people uh, forget. All right. What about what? Uh, what? So one of the big events is it Kathy Freeman's 
uh, gold medal. Boom. Yes, it is. Oh, it is a <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but also people probably know. I probably know. personally never heard of this event, so. Wow. Well. <laughs> I want to say 200 metres. Oh. I want to say 400 metres. Yeah, it's longer. Yes. <laughs> it was longer than 200. It's a it was full about track. Double 200. Yeah, wow. it's a lap of the track. It's a lap of the track. But I wanted to talk That's a little bit. That's what I would call the event. Who lap wins of the, track? the lap track? Track lap. Track, track lap. Track, track lap. lap's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Gold medals um, in the track lap. Yeah, I wanted to uh, yeah talk about this event, but also talk about uh, the person behind the event, Kathy Freeman. Oh. <laughs> if I knew the name of the person who, like, drew the lines on the track. <laughs> that would be sick. I could have made one up. Nobody would know. Um. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so uh, I have free choice at the moment and I was very, very surprised that Kathy Freeman hasn't been suggested by anyone in the really? hat. Really? Oh, my God. Can I get on there right now? Please do because I was a bit in. baffled by that. I was like, she was a like my childhood hero. Surely I'm not alone there. <laughs> and in doing a bit more research, <laughs> I definitely was not. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the life and that fateful day in September 2000. Do you Kathy remember Freeman. the 25th night of September? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what the song's about. I'll be um, so curious to find out if, because obviously Kathy Freeman's a legend in Australia. I wonder how well she's known internationally. She would have been quite well known at the time, but yeah. I don't know if people 20 years later are still uh, thinking about her every day like I do <laughs> in other parts of the world. Think about her every day. I love Kathy um, Freeman. Oh, she's an absolute legend. She carried the whole nation on her back. You're not wrong, Matt, but let's not get emotional too we early. We do the tears off the pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's something straight off the bat that's going to blow your mind. Her real name is Catherine. What? <laughs> what? I know. <laughs> it's like, when, okay. Oh God, so, so, everything is a lie. What yeah, is going you on? You know someone. And then I was like, okay, well, my, Kathy must be her middle name, but her middle name is Astrid. <laughs> Catherine Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Because why would we be calling her Kathy otherwise? It's crazy. Where, where does that come from? Where does it come from, David? I don't know. Gosh. So, you know, Catherine Astrid uh, Salome, Salome Freeman, born on the 16th of Feb 1973 in Mackay in Queensland. Her mother, Cecilia, is of the Gugulilanji people of far north Queensland and along with her grandmother was born in the Indigenous community of Palm Island. Her father was born in Wurrabindi, and is of the Birigubba people of central Queensland. And her athletic ability seemed to be a genetic blessing. Her father, Norman Freeman, earned the nickname of Twinkle Toes. Oh, yes. That was on the dance floor, though. <laughs> yeah. was, was, that his, well, was that his middle name? His middle name was Twinkle Toes. Norman Twinkle Toes Freeman. How funny is someone having both the nickname Twinkle Toes and the real name Norman? Yeah. <laughs> what a combo. <laughs> it's a great combo. He followed in his own father's footsteps and played rugby league and he was known for his speed and agility, hence the nickname Twinkletoes. Cathy herself said, legend has it that my father and my grandfather were asked to go to a club in England, but because of the way it was, at the time they weren't allowed, Uh, obviously because her father and grandfather were Indigenous people and, you know... (laughs) Oh, I'll get into it. She's one of five children. She has three brothers, Norman, Garth and Gavin, and a sister, <laughs> Anne-Marie. That's brilliant. Norman, Norman Garth Norman and Gavin. Gavin. Love it. 
They are yeah. all great comedy names. The girls really got the best names there. Anne-Marie, Catherine, yeah, <laughs> they did well. Um, Anne-Marie had um, cerebral palsy, spent much of her life in the um, Baribi Care Facility in Rockhampton, and Cathy had her first running race at the age of five and she fell in love with the sport. It first helped the- running race, Jess. So yes. you've specified running race. Was she racing cars prior to this? Yes, she was, yes. <laughs> and with um, a spoiler there, but yes, she was a junior go-kart and then full-on car racing wow, full-on yeah. cars. Full-on cars. She couldn't reach the pedals, but, um, yeah, pretty <laughs> couple impressive. Of Did you do, a yeah. couple of, do a couple of track Bone laps? <laughs> But, yeah, so she fell in love with ra- with running really early on. It def- definitely helped that she won her first race, but people started to notice her natural ability from a young age. There's, like, an interview with one of the primary school teachers who was like, holy shit, this kid is, she's got something and we've got to help her get there, which is pretty cool. And can you just imagine how quick she would have been, like, obviously she's very, very fast, the best in the world at, at one point. But you know when you're in primary school and there's like the quickest kid in your school and you're like, oh, my yes. God, they're so fast. But on the world stage, they're like the 15th or 20th thousandth fastest person in the world. Of course, she's yes. going to be the fastest in the world. Yeah. Is there any more deflating moment than seeing the fastest kid at your school get flogged <laughs> no. by the fastest kid of another school? Oh, he, didn't, Brutal. he didn't even make the, the top The whole world five. tumbles down. Um, one time in primary school lining up to do the 100 metres... Uh, one girl said within earshot of me, oh, shit, I'm against Jess because she knew Ooh. she didn't have a fucking chance. That's great. And then I ran against Larissa who absolutely smoked me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think yeah, that I know other how it girl feels. got in your head. Well, no, I I beat her. Just could never <laughs> beat Larissa. Oh, shit, I'm she's against Larissa. She's too fast. I wonder what she's doing now. Everyone turned to the girl next to him and said the same thing. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, but I just heard that one thing and was like, yeah, damn straight. <laughs> um, Actually made you run faster. Yeah. <laughs> Kathy's parents, Cecilia and Norman, split up in 1978 when she was five years old and a few years later her mother married a man named Bruce Barber. This is a Bruce, quote. another cracking Bruce name. Bruce Barber. How good is that? Bruce Barber. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> yeah, he Put uses his full name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Barber, how do you bloody do? <laughs> There's a quote from Kathy. She says, I was 10 when my family and I moved from Mackay to a place named Hewenden uh, in the desert region of far northwest Queensland. The vast desert land with its wide open skies and incredible red land was another perfect setting to cultivate my love of running. Bruce wanted to encourage his stepdaughter to pursue her athletic dreams and became her very first coach, despite not knowing that much about athletics himself. <laughs> but he just wanted to help. He wanted to be supportive. Go, he, run. Run quicker. Faster. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, but even faster. Do it if again you, faster, though. That fast run you just did, do you reckon you could do that ever so slightly faster? Go have a crack. <laughs> Fantastic. Maybe next time you could maybe try and beat Alyssa. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> good give luck. It a go. Good fucking luck. Yeah, good luck, mate. <laughs> he quickly realised Kathy's ability was a bit beyond his help, um, but nonetheless, by her You're early teens, help. she had You're a beyond cl- help. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I told her to go faster, and she did. <laughs> and now it's like, where do we go from there? <laughs> nonetheless, by her early teens, she had a collection of regional and national titles, having competed in the hundred meters, two hundred meters, high jump, and long jump. Just and that getting was just amongst in drag it. racing. What about running? <laughs> I'm getting to it. 
you got to get to know a person first. She looked at those cars one day and said, I reckon I could run pretty quick too. <laughs> I reckon I would watch uh, like underage drag racing. <laughs> Eight-year-olds would you, having would a you go. watch like uh, adults doing it? No, boring. <laughs> they got long legs. I'd also watch high jump in a car. That would be sick. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just keep raising okay, that bar. Great. I'll clear that. I'll clear that. I'll clear that. You've got, Do a you've slot, gone from younger driver racing cars to cars doing high jump. <laughs> yes. A logical, the next logical I step. thought there was no bad ideas here, man. I thought this was a safe place. I thought that too. Tell, tell me you would just tell me you wouldn't watch it. Tell me you wouldn't watch it if that was an option. Yeah. Would you watch that? Would you say, oh, yawn, no thanks, I'll go to bed? ESPN, oh, car I'd... high jump. Come on, you're not turning that off. Come I'd watch on. the inaugural one for sure. I think it would get old. The first and last. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no driver in it. They just put a brick on the accelerator. <laughs> no humans get hurt, but the cars are fucked. <laughs> Why don't you get kids to drive the cars? Now I'm okay. watching. <laughs> Put a little helmet on it, they'll be right. Um, Kathy's brother Norman was also a gifted runner and the siblings trained together and were both recipients of sporting scholarships to uh, Kurlbein International School in 1987 where Kathy was coached by professionally by Romanian Mike Danila who later became a key influence throughout her career. He provided a strict training regimen for the young athlete. The following year, she was awarded a scholarship to the, an exclusive girls' school called Fair Home College in Toowoomba. And in a competition in 1989, she ran uh, 11.67 seconds in the 100 metres. The world record is 10.49. <laughs> so she's done it in 11.67. But it's pretty fast. So wow. by 15, she's 1.18 seconds off the world record. Is that the current, the current at the time or the current now? I think that's still the record. Wow. That was set by American Florence Griffith Joyner. Oh, yeah, um, she's had it for decades. And she also has the second and third fastest times. I've never tried, I don't think, but I reckon I could probably go about that fast. Do you reckon? Yeah. Mm. If we okay. get Barry Barber to help coach me. Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, even better. Bruce. <laughs> so, yeah, she's 15, she's, you know, She's already incredibly fast. And like I said before, by her early teens, she had regional and national titles and her coach, Danila, began to think about entering her in the Commonwealth Games trials in Sydney. She was selected as a member of Australia's 4x100 relay team for the 1990 Commonwealth Games in Auckland. Her teammates were Monique Dunstan, Cathy Sambell and Kerry Johnson and with a time of 43.87 seconds, they won the gold medal. Kathy was the first ever Aboriginal Commonwealth Games gold medalist and one of the youngest Commonwealth Games gold medalists as well. She was 16 years Whoa. old. Whoa. That's amazing. They were the real glory days of Commonwealth Games back when Australia was real good at them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we do it. No, we do okay in Commonwealth Games because the Americans aren't there. That, well, that's it used to definitely be true, but then um, the UK started putting money into it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we, <laughs> we're like, no. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, you're right. The, the 90s into the early 2000s were a really good year for us with athletics, swimming. Oh, yeah. Fuck, we were good. I mean, we've always been pretty average at basketball, but. Um... That's, no, I just saw the world rankings for the men's. We're third in the world. Yeah. UK is 41st. 
Wow. Someone on the Planet Broadcasting Great Mates group posted it. They said, they said, oh, oh they're an English guy. And he's like, oh, I've just been getting into basketball. And now I realize that we're really awful at it. And he said, There's no reason numbers. not to get into it. It's a great game. Yeah, it's pretty. And top, it's, top 41, pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's not bad. I think, and as well, wouldn't it be fun to be British and be an underdog in something? Great point. They should try it. Yeah, give it a go. Yeah. And, and uh, just looking up here, the women's team are currently ranked number two, Australians. All right. Oh, yeah, Australian women's basketball's so, always been great. The Opals, oh, have they had an Olympic gold yet? But they've been real close. The men's are always out of the medals, but the women's team wins medals most Olympics, I think. Yeah, I definitely remember silver in Athens. So anyway, first ever Is this an episode co- about basketball, sorry, Jeff? <laughs> God, I wish. Uh, no, I don't. I love Kathy Freeman so much. So first ever Aboriginal Commonwealth Games gold medalist and she's 16 years old. What were you doing when you were 16, Jess? Winning Commonwealth um, awards? Oh, bloody giving it a go. <laughs> I was running, doing a high jump. In, in a car? school? <laughs> Not in a car. Uh. I'm old school. So that was 1990. That was a pretty big year for Cathy. She also won the 200 metres at the Australian National Championships and represented Australia at the World Junior Athletic Championships in Bulgaria, placing fifth in the 200 metres and fifth in the 4x100 as well. That same year she was named Young Australian of the Year, only the second Aboriginal youth to be recognised for the distinction. The first was Mark Ella in 1982. In her speech, Cathy said she ran for Australians and in particular the Aboriginal people. Her mother, Cecilia, said in an interview that it meant an awful lot to young Aboriginal people to see Cathy be named Young Australian of the Year. She said, I think it will make them stand up and say, if she can do it, I can too. And Cathy herself talks about feeling quite self-conscious and shy about the colour of her skin as she was growing up. She remembers being confused by why people didn't smile back at her in the street. And she recalls winning a race as a 10-year-old and not being given the trophy, apparently because she was black. Didn't give her the trophy. What the fuck? Yeah. This is in the 70s. This is not that long ago. It's completely fucked. And I think it's like a, a great opportunity and very important to talk about it because I think something that particularly old white people struggle to understand is how important representation is. You know, that we throw around the phrase, you can't be what you can't see. But as white people, we can't really understand that because we're everywhere. And that's that's sort of... I'm generalising there as well. It's like white cis people or white able-bodied people. When you uh, you don't fit that mould, you don't see yourself represented anywhere. You're not in books or film or anything like that. And we're obviously getting a lot better at that, but it's still pretty average. So I think it's huge because Cathy's, of course, not the first Aboriginal person to do something impressive or of note, but she's this young strong, talented woman. She's driven and focused and she's not just setting an example for young Indigenous kids but throughout her whole career she's being celebrated and cheered on by all Australians, which is incredibly important for the young Indigenous kids to see. So it's massive and it it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as her career progresses. So 1990 is also a difficult year for the family because Cathy's older sister Anne-Marie passed away. Um, in every doco or interview I've seen, Kathy talks about how much her sister inspired her. She credits Anne-Marie with being the reason she is who she is. Growing up with her gave Kathy a great appreciation for what she could do and to appreciate the things that you've been given. 
And there's a nice part in um, a documentary that came out last year. It's called Freeman, um, where her mum, Cecilia, says she ran for her sister. That's what drove her to succeed. So it's pretty amazing too. The next couple of years were busy for Kathy. She competed in her second World Junior Championships in Seoul in South Korea. She competed only in the 200 metres, winning the silver medal. Um, and also in 92, she participated in her first Olympic Games in Barcelona. Uh, sorry, Jess. Barcelona. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I always butcher that one. Barcelona. She made it to the second heat in the 400 metres, which at the time was looking like it was going to be her specialty event, uh, and finished in seventh place as part of the women's 4x100 relay team. So she kind of continues to do the 200 and the 4x100 throughout her career, but 400's really her, like, her, her specialty. Her breakout year happened in 1994 when she entered into the world's elite for the first time. And what I mean by that is she took 1.3 seconds from her 400-metre personal best, achieving 50.04 seconds. She set all-time personal bests in the 100 metres. Um, 100 metres, her PB was 11.24 and her 200 metres best was 22.25, which is very fast. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, Mm -hmm. three Mississippi. She's already done the first quarter. Four Mississippi, five Mississippi, six. We know the six through eight seconds are a lot faster. Seven, eight, nine Mississippi, ten Mm -hmm. Mississippi. You know, and and that goes all the way through to twenty-two point seven eight Mississippi's. Yeah, and she's done. (laughs) She's done. It's over. Done. And I'm still trying to, you know, go through the states of, of America. On the starting line, <laughs> which is my pre-game routine, it's a little superstition of mine. I always really, get stuck I do on the Mississippi. Table. <laughs> um, competing at the 1994 Commonwealth Games in Canada, she once again ran as part of the four by hundred relay, winning silver. The team had originally finished first, but were later disqualified and knocked back to silver after Freeman obstructed the Nigerian runner, so they got knocked back. I thought, like, if you get if you're disqualified for anything, you're out. But they just got knocked back to silver. Very ah. interesting. Uh, what did she do to obstruct? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that. It just said that she obstructed them. I'm not entirely sure how. I wonder if it was it probably on dep- It depends on the rules maybe of each race. But I know I know. like when I used to watch horse racing a bit, they if uh, there was a protest, it, would, it wouldn't necessarily rule out the horse who infringed. Ah. It would just, they'd go, they'd sort of figure out where in the field that they should be shuffled to okay. instead. Yeah, interesting. Not sure. Like if you if you step out of your lane in the 4 by 100 you're usually disqualified. I don't, right. but I don't, I've never really seen it that they just drop back a notch, but I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> not an expert here. I don't know why I'm fighting with the information I have. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Well, as long as it was helpful that I brought up a vague memory of horse racing. <laughs> and I'm talking about when I did into school 4 by 100 relay. I assume similar rules to Olympics. Similar rules. <laughs> Commonwealth Games or whatever. She won both gold, uh, gold in both the 200 metre and 400 metre, the first woman to do so in the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, right. So she got gold in two and four, but she caused controversy within the Australian Olympic uh, uh, Commonwealth team with her post-race celebration by carrying both the Australian flag and the Aboriginal flag. Wait, so I remember vaguely there was controversy about that. I thought that was in Sydney. Where where was that? This is in 94 in Canada. It just seems like such a bizarre thing to get upset about. I know. 
It was seen as an act of defiance and improper to associate the Aboriginal flag and the Australian flag together. Very, very strange. Can you guess the age and skin colour of the men uh, who are protesting this? Oh, do you remember any of the names? No, it was, was the... Dick Pound involved? Fuck, <laughs> 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 what was his name? One of them was the... Um, he was like the head of the Commonwealth team. I don't know. But in a, it was kind of heartening. I was very annoyed um, watching it. But then there was like Vox Pops done by, you know, the news interviewing just regular Australians who were all going, I don't see the big deal. It makes a lot of sense. Like, she should have both. So that was... I was like, oh, okay, at least... <laughs> At least it's not everybody, but the media, of course, picked it up. Kathy was um, being interviewed one time, like as in, you know, those kind of interviews, I say in inverted commas, when somebody's just trying to walk somewhere and there's just media all around them, like, Kathy, Kathy, answer these questions. Kathy, thanks for coming to our interview. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to like, the I'm shops. trying to get to the car. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she said, with all due respect, I don't care. I'm here to run and that's all I'm going to do. And that is exactly what she did. All throughout her career, her running career, all she wanted to do was run. She would do state comps and things that she probably didn't have to do anymore because she just loved to run and she loved to race. In 1996, she ran the Stall Gift. For international listeners or Aussies who aren't familiar, the Stall Gift is held in a town called Stall. It's about 240 k's west northwest of Melbourne. It's been uh, held in all but five years since 1878. It's uh, a very old and very famous and prestigious foot race. It's run on grass and athletes are handicapped according to form and ability and start off at varying marks uh, along the track. So when she went to run it, she was starting 42 metres behind the rest of the runners. She actually started in Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) She's 42 metres back of a 400 metre race. She watched some of the other competitors on the train while she was running to the... (laughs) She had to start three weeks early. Yeah, it was incredible, an amazing achievement. (laughs) Um, The race is on YouTube. It is actually an incredible watch. So 200 metres in, she's still quite far behind the rest of the races. It looks like she can't make up the distance. But then she just closes the gap. It's so subtle and quick and she's just suddenly right behind them and then she's passing them and one of the other runners, Lewis, elbows her... (laughs) But Kathy doesn't even flinch and just keeps going. And in like the last 50 metres, she just overtakes them all and wins. That's With a 42-metre handicap, she wins. That, that, I've seen that race a few times. It's so fun to watch someone come just swoop a field like that. Well, it just looks yeah. like they're on a travelator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. She has an amazing running style and she's obviously very, very quick. By the 1996 Olympics, Cathy was seen as the biggest challenger to French runner Marie-José Perrick, Perrick, who Cathy described as the sort of woman who struck fear in the hearts of most athletes. Kind of like you to Ellie or whoever. <laughs> Larissa. <laughs> Larissa. Uh, just a, She was this statuesque, striking, powerful woman. She was a very intimidating athlete and one that Cathy was determined to beat. And just to paint Ooh. you a picture, um, Parekh is 5 foot 10 or 1.8 metres tall. She's lean but very, very muscular, a classic sprinter body but with extra definition. She's just... Sorry, Jess, did you just cut out for a second there? Were you describing me or...? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little joke there. She sounds, uh, she sounds like she's yes. built for the race. 
yeah, she's this incredible, yeah, really statuesque, amazing. Um, Kathy is five foot five, 20 centimetres shorter, also very lean, just much smaller and kind of unassuming. She's she's still very like got, got uh, great muscle definition, but I feel like if you just saw Kathy Freeman walking down the street and you didn't know she was Kathy Freeman, you wouldn't think she was the elite athlete that she is. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if you saw Perrick, you'd be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what sport you do, but you're incredible at it. So at the 95 World Championships a year prior, Kathy had run the wrong race in her coach's words. She'd started too fast, she'd run out of steam, and in the last 100 metres she'd fallen from second place to about fifth. So she was determined not to make that same mistake again. Perrick had run a time of 48.86, so Kathy Freeman wrote a big note for herself that said 48.6. That's what she was going to aim for. She goes, all right, 95, you did 48.86, I'm going to do 48.6. So at the 400-metre final, Kathy's on her tail and Perrick was challenged in a way that she hadn't been for a very long time. And while Kathy didn't beat her, she came in second and wiped a full second off her own personal best Ooh. and pushed Perrick to an Olympic record of 48.65. Whoa, that would have been awesome race to watch live. The race is amazing. I've seen it and uh, there's such a height difference in them and Perek's stride is so long because she's got such long legs, but Kathy is sort of like long legs, short torso. So she's kind of they they look size wise so different to each other, but she's really like she's so so close to her, and they're both really pushing. It's amazing to watch. And Kathy says that Perek was very inspiring. She says she gave me permission to be bold with my goals, which is really nice. They raced like, each literally. Yeah. Perrick went up to the, hey. I grant you permission for this. <laughs> Kathy said, thank you. <laughs> Kathy did eventually beat Perrick at a at a Grand Prix race in Belgium. Car racing. Oh, again. Yes. She got, yeah, yeah. She, you gotta do something in the off season. She got to the F1 car. Jumps <laughs> it to a race. How crazy is this? Over the next four years, between ninety-six and two thousand, Kathy wins forty-one out of forty-two races. Oh. And the one that she lost was only uh, due to injury. 41 out of 42 races. She's unstoppable. That is a hot streak. Yeah. By 1998, she's one of the most famous people in Australia. She's awarded Australian of the Year, I believe the only person to be both Young Australian and Australian of the Year. Oh, I hope she gets Old Australian of the Year down the track. (laughs) Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Get the trifecta. Elderly Australian of the Year. The pressure was already being put on her about the upcoming 2000 Olympics. Newspaper headlines said, hope of a nation rests on Freeman's shoulders. <laughs> Bit of pressure. Bit of pressure. Yeah. I wasn't joking before when I said the whole country was on her back. It was. So much pressure. The pressure was insane. By 99, she was the first woman ever to win back-to-back world championships in the 400 metres. And meanwhile, uh, Perrick had been struggling with ill health for a few years but made a comeback just in time for the 2000 Olympics. <sighs> oh, she's back. Ooh. She's back. And this is what this has all been leading up to, the 2000 Olympic Games. So September 15, 2000, the opening ceremony. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> if people want a more in-depth look at that. Uh, yeah, I've what done a whole report. Back to? Nearly six years ago. Wow. Uh, shout out to the horse whisperers out there. Doing a good job. Yes. Wow, good that? memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a whole thing on the opening ceremony. It was a pretty formative uh, event in my childhood, so I love it was very it. close to my I love heart. It. 
For the first time in recent Olympic history, the opening ceremony concluded with the lighting of the Olympic cauldron. And while Tina Arena and the Sydney Children's Choir and the <laughs> Melbourne Symphony Orchestra performed The Flame, we see Australian Olympic gold medalist Herb Elliott with the torch, bringing it towards the stadium. Then, to celebrate 100 years of women's participation in the Olympics, we see the torch pass to a series of Australian champions and the crowd is going absolutely wild because they don't know who it's going to be. And oh, these are like right. cream of the crop. These are like big stars in Australian sport. And I talked about this on uh, on the opening ceremony episode, but it's worth mentioning again. So first off is Betty Cuthbert, a four-time gold medal runner who had MS, so was being pushed in a wheelchair by Raylene Boyle, three-time silver medalist. They passed Betty, on also a fantastic name. Betty, incredible. They pass it on to Dawn Fraser, four gold and four silver medals and one of Australia's most famous swimmers. Next is Shirley Strickland, who won more Olympic medals than any other Australian in running sports. She got three bronze, three gold and one silver. Uh, Then it's handed to Shane Gould, a swimmer who won three gold, a silver and a bronze, all at the 72 Olympics. Amazing. She did one Olympics and retired at 17. What a way to do it. Then Debbie Flintoff-King, who runs through the athletes who are gathered in the middle of the stadium, and Debbie runs the torch to the base of a long set of stairs that lead to the cauldron where Kathy Freeman is standing. So it's it's a pretty big honour that she's been chosen to light the cauldron, especially as they sort of celebrate these Australian legends of sport. Mm. It's kind of like them saying... Here's another legend, which is pretty sick. Yes, they're literally passing the torch. Yeah. Oh, I that is, love that uh, symbolism. Yeah, they must have been thinking about that, but that is amazing because you're like talking about the pressure on her. Yeah. Now they're going, we're putting you already amongst this group of famous Australian gold medal winners. Yeah. You aren't that yet, but we expect to look back on this and see you as fitting in their company. Exactly. Which is what how it played out. But, geez, it's just another chunk of pressure on her back. Yeah, Some, absolutely. Sometimes athletes don't even go to the opening ceremony because they're, they're still in training or their event's coming up mm. so they don't want to even go out, let alone yeah. the rehearsals, the pressure of this. Like imagine it's not just a party. You're you're doing a job out there. Yeah, the closing ceremony probably has a bit more of a relief kind of party feel for them. Yeah. But this one, especially if you're one of the first uh, events to happen, you might be uh, I was going to say performing. You might be competing the next day. La, la, yeah, la, you're probably not going to go. <laughs> yeah. You're probably doing your vocal yeah, yeah. warm-ups Warming or something. Warming up the pipes, you know, getting ready out there. <laughs> when you said Tina Arena sang The Flame, is that covering the Cheap Trick song or is that a different song? It's a different Surely one. a different song. Yeah, they've got, they write originals for the opening ceremony, surely. Fuck, that would have been funny though. So, yeah, as it's announced it's Kathy Freeman, the crowd goes absolutely batshit, as does 10-year-old Jess watching at home. Uh, also ten, <laughs> Loses her little mind. 10-year-old Dave head in a bucket because I had gastro that night. Uh, I was cheering. <laughs> I was cheering from within my bucket. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Kathy, do it for oh, me. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> do it for me, Kathy. <laughs> Matt, what was 110-year-old you up to that night? <laughs> uh, I, was, I was probably wearing a top hat <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Yeah, growing up in it. No, I, was, I remember I was at a house party that night, and uh, it was pretty loose. Yeah, I, I imagine I would. I can't remember it super well, but I remember there was a fight there, and uh, yeah, there was a fight. A fight uh, at the party. At the party. Oh, everyone in top hat. You know, a pretty sophisticated party. 
I say a good sir. Yeah. Or whatever everyone, fighting. Had, everyone had their fists up like this. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Put up your dudes. Yeah, put them up. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> huh? Yeah, we're, we're all in our 100, 140s, 150s. <laughs> That's right. Demanding your satisfaction. <laughs> That's right. A lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of gloves were thrown under the ground. Um, yeah, gauntlets. gauntlets. <laughs> Throw it well. down. So, yeah, a huge moment, a lot of pressure. Um, she runs up the stairs, steps into the middle of a pool of water where she bends down and lights a ring of fire around herself. And Johnny Cash came out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the cauldron then rose out of the water above her head and it was transported up a long waterfall where it finally rested on a tall silver pedestal above the stadium and that's where it stayed for the entire Olympics. So before she'd even run a race, she was the star of the Olympics. But with that came pressure, and not only on her, but anyone who might be a threat to her medal chances. Anyone like Marie-José Perec, perhaps. Oh, dear. Upon her arrival in Sydney, she was met with insane media attention and pressure. She claimed that a man gained access to her apartment building and verbally abused her. Jesus. Although this was denied by management of the apartments. She said the pressure from the media was like nothing she'd experienced before and that the only pressure athletes like her should have to deal with is the pressure of the competition. Are they saying that she made up the fact that a man came and yelled at her? Or, or are they saying ridiculous? there was an abuse, they were praising her. I heard it, I heard it. They were saying, go, Marie, go, Marie. Go. That is such a strange thing. I know. It's very odd. And about 24 hours before the 400-metre competition began, Parekh left Sydney. The media, of course, were very kind about it. Oh, she left it. Was she handicapping oh herself? <laughs> she running from Melbourne? I'm going to start from Melbourne. I'll see you at the finish line. No, they uh, they claimed she knew she couldn't beat Cathy, so she chickened out. Literally, one newspaper headline said, Mademoiselle let chicken. Ooh. <laughs> Ridiculous. And even in interviews in this documentary that happened from last year, so almost 20 years later, the people being interviewed were kind of like, yeah, she just couldn't hack it. And it's like, okay, she hasn't run or she hasn't competed for four years due to ill health and I'm not sure what sort of health issues she was having, but she was unwell. Mm. And so then she comes back and she's treated this way and she's already pretty vulnerable and the psychology of sport is incredibly important and she hasn't got that sort of thick skin because she hasn't been competing for four years and she's been pretty unwell. She's been treated incredibly badly. Do you blame her? For backing out, I wouldn't. I don't blame her. Isn't she already an Olympic gold medalist? I mean, what has yes. she got to prove to these people? Exactly. But people are like, oh, she just, you know, wanted to go out on top. She knew she couldn't win the race. So, you know, just go out while you're a gold medalist. And it's like, she's a human being. Yeah, you spend four years coming back. I doubt you're just going to pull out the last second. Just Exactly. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. What was it? So I missed it. What was her reasoning for pulling out? Um, well, she, she didn't really give a reason, but years later she was quoted as saying, the 400 metres in Sydney was not a race against Cathy Freeman. It was a race against an entire nation which had its problems. I was only prepared for a 400 metre race. Right. So it, was a, it, it wasn't like an, an injury or something. It was, no. it was the, but she was basically hounded out of it by the media. Yeah. That is. Because they, the hectic. media wanted Cathy to win. They didn't want, they didn't want Perek to win. And so they were assholes to her. And then even now kind of go, weak. It's like, nah, it's insane. Yeah, as we uh, discovered last week with the Steve Bartman incident, sport can drive people absolutely wild. Yeah, yeah, that's true. People act 
very irrationally, and I'm talking about the media here, not her, the way that people and, you know, the public, people breaking into her house to, you know, to put her off, that's just not okay. Yeah, exactly right. And then and then that sort of being downplayed, like, nah, 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 nah. But even as we're seeing more recently, and I mean this will date this podcast a little bit, but with Naomi Osaka, you know, saying she doesn't want to do media appearances and the media be going absolutely fucking crazy about that as if that's the most important part of tennis. And it's like, no, they're, they're people, you know, sport's their job, but they're a human being. So, yeah, I'm, I definitely feel for uh, Maria Giuseppe Perec. I've probably been saying her name wrong this entire time. It's so funny. I don't remember her at all. No, I know. Me either. I didn't, I I didn't know any of this. I don't storyline or anything. No. Mm. Storyline, well, I mean, but, you know. But it wasn't really shown to us. Because it was just all about Kathy. I mean, it was in, yeah, I don't but you, know. But you were saying front pages of the page, was it, yeah. you know, sat calling her a chicken and so I just don't remember any of, any of that, which yeah. feels like that was obviously a big story at the time. Mm. Yeah, but I really wasn't reading the paper at 10, so I probably didn't see a lot of that. But And I yeah, was very what... focused on my studies, obviously, so. <laughs> very focused. So... <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressed. <laughs> That has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. That feels a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively and that had been affecting me and that feel, that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit. That he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> that is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. <laughs> it comes down to Monday, the 25th of September, 2000. 23 TV cameras, which doesn't seem like that much, but at the time they're like 23 cameras. <laughs> Several hundred journalists. 720p. I got 23 <laughs> cameras on me right now. <laughs> GoPros. Uh, this is before smartphones, guys. A smartphone back to the year 2000 and blowing everyone's minds. <laughs> fucking crazy. This goes in my pocket. They wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> What's a pocket? <laughs> They'd look at you like some sort of alien. Pocket you in your pants. What's <laughs> what? going on? You're crazy. Surely you need some sort of suitcase to take that around with. <laughs> <laughs> There's over 110,000 people in the stands, millions of people tuning in around the world. I did, it said in one news report, billions. And I was like, I don't, that can't be billions, but a lot of people. <laughs> Trillions. Tuned in to, to watch the race that was called The Race of Our Lives. <laughs> Like sands through the hourglass. 
<laughs> this is the race of our lives. As the 400-metre women's finalists walked out onto the track, the crowd is deafening. It is so loud in the stadium. Kathy said her main concern was controlling her emotions. She said, I became, I become very switched on and aggressive. And I've done it before in a race where I've just really gone too hard too early and not had the strength to come home in the last 100. So she and her coach, Peter Fortune, incredible name. Oh, my uh, goodness. Is that a real name? Yeah, I'd want him. I'd want him to coach me. What's what, Depending on what his middle name is, is it Good Fortune or <laughs> Peter Bad Whoa. Fortune? Because that changes everything. It's Peter Miss Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> they had a plan which he'd written down on a little piece of paper. Here's that plan. If his middle name was Wheel of, then I'm involved. <laughs> Peter Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Matt, I'm trying to tell you how to win a 400-meter okay, race. I should be listening. <laughs> and he's Stick to this plan <laughs> written it down on, and you'll win. They've written on a little bit of paper. Is this on a scrap of paper? <laughs> yeah. I hope it's in a museum now, that scrap. So here's a plan. If anybody out there wants to win 400 meters, here's what you do. Okay. Fast start for 50 meters, no longer. Okay. Then you move from very fast to fast relaxed. Okay. <laughs> Great. I'm, I'm that all... I, Think of that all the yeah, time. That's, that's, that's my that's natural state. But you, you do that until the 200-metre point. Then you pick up on the bend a little to make sure of a position because the bend, you guys, it's slower. So you don't want to slow down too much. You pick up on the bend. Pick up on the bend. Then from 120 metres to go, you go hard and you hold form until the finish line. That is how you win a 400-metre. That's how I would have done it too. Yeah, agreed. Step four, celebrate. Celebrate. I wasn't good at like the two or four hundred meters um, because I I didn't know how to like not go a hundred percent. I was like, right. I'm running or I'm not. What do you want from me? That's why the hundred meters was my event. So at the starting blocks, she took off her tracksuit and revealed that underneath she was wearing a green, gold, and silver Nike Swift suit. That famous suit. These days, um, you'd call it a morph suit called a swift suit at the time. They'd been developing it for a really long time and they weren't even sure if she was going to wear it for the race. Like one of the Nike executives is interviewed in the documentary and when she like took off her jumper, he was like, she's wearing it. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. What a reveal. Did he say that to his his friend in the crowd? (gasps) Look, she's wearing it. She's wearing it. He's like, what? Andy Serkis ended up wearing one of those uh, when he portrayed Schmeagle in The Lord of the Rings. (laughs) For extra speed. Extra speed. Had balls on it extra as well. She didn't run with balls on it, though. No, that would have uh, slowed down the aerodynamics. Yeah. Too much drag on them balls. <laughs> Problem I often face <laughs> when I'm running. Um, US sprinter Michael Johnson, whose race was up after Kathy's, said that they were supposed to stay in that little walkway underneath the stadium until their allotted race time, but all eight runners of his race came out just to watch Kathy's race. Oh, sick. It was this huge event. Just the the atmosphere would have been electric. Michael yeah. Johnson, I was wondering if that was around his time. He was the guy with the golden shoes. Mm, Twinkle yeah, toes, he, you might call it. His race was up next, and I think I talk about it a bit later, but his race was delayed by ages because of the celebrations. Spoilers. Oh. Um, from the very beginning of the race, the second her feet leave the blocks, everything is going to plan. She describes it as feeling like she's barely making contact with the ground. Oh, that doesn't, body that doesn't sound good. good. Yeah. <laughs> she's floating. Is that legal? Is that legal? Is that legal? <laughs> come back, come back. 
Can you imagine that? Get down. She's actually Get on a Segway. <laughs> <laughs> she, she went 400 metres up. <laughs> But she did it faster than any yeah, others. Right. She did it in 11 seconds, so wow. <laughs> her body feels good. She feels strong. And her coach said she looked so relaxed that it looked like she was jogging down the track. So everything's going well. As the runners come around the bend, Kathy is in third position. People watching, journalists, coaches, everyone has a moment where they think it's all over. She hasn't done it. They've come around the last bend and she's, she's like slipping behind. Kathy, however is in complete control. She talks about reading other people and paying attention to how they're running and how they're competing. And with 120 metres to go, she's waiting. She's waiting for someone to challenge, someone to push. She's just sitting back and waiting. She talks about how Lorraine Graham from Jamaica is leading, but Cathy says she could tell Lorraine didn't think she could win it. So with 80 minutes to go, 80 minutes, 80 metres to (laughs) go. She's she's really waiting back at this point. She's really (laughs) for about 80 minutes. (laughs) 80 metres to go, Cathy strikes. In the doco she says, my ancestors were the first people to walk on this land. It's a really powerful force. Those girls were always going to have to come up against my ancestors. She's really pulling from her connection. 80 metres to go, watching it like, watching it looks like it's just in the space of a few strides she's pulled out in front. It's so quick how she just sort of goes, oh, okay, none of you are going to push, I will. So she continues to power through, almost like she's gliding. She's so fast and she crosses the finish line at a time of 49.11 seconds. Lorraine Graham behind her at 49.58. She's fucking done it! Yes, Kathy. Huge surprise for you guys, I'm sure. Most people listening had no idea (laughs) based on Matt's answer to the question at the start. They had no clue this is where we were going. How about at the start? I think I really really built up the story. You beat Matt (laughs) saying what colour medal it is. So, oh, when Kathy Freeman won a beep medal. (laughs) Beep. Could be anything. Could be anything. Yes. We know she... She she medals though. Yeah. She medals. Top three. She's a medaler. Uh, how, what, what one is oh, it? Which one? Kathy Freeman was only the second Australian Aboriginal Olympic champion. The first was Nova Paris, who had won for hockey four years earlier in Atlanta. She's only the second Aboriginal Australian. Isn't that crazy? And this is in 2000. After the race, Freeman took a victory lap carrying both the Aboriginal and Australian flags. And, yeah, like I said before, the victory lap took so long that it delayed the next race by several minutes. But no one cared because it was this huge monumental moment in not only Australian sporting history but also just a big cultural moment for Australians as well. So absolutely massive. And, yeah, it's it's definitely worth watching uh, some of her races. There will be links in the, um, episode, the description of this episode because she's a, a really, really amazing Amazing runner. Um, she didn't compete in 2001. In 2002, she returned to the track to compete as a member of Australia's victorious 4 by 400 metre relay at the uh, Commonwealth Games. And it was during this year that Cathy noticed that the drive to win, the real fire within her, it wasn't there anymore. So she sort of decided it was it was time to walk away. She didn't have the drive. Yeah, right. Um, and in 2003, she announced her retirement from racing. She was 30 years old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> have, have I missed my opportunity? No. Okay. Mm, I'm going to say yes. <sighs> You're Damn. done. What? Wait, what, what no. opportunity do you mean? To do what? To set the world record for the highest jump in a car. No, no, you have not. You have not missed the opportunity at all. 
Thank you. So there you go. I believe in you. Um, I haven't really mentioned much about her personal life, but just briefly, um, since retiring from athletics, she's become involved in a range of community and charitable activities. She was an ambassador of the Australian Indigenous Education Foundation until 2012. Between 99 and 2003, she was married to Alexander Sandy Bodecker, incredible name, Sandy Bodecker. He was a Nike executive, um, but yeah, they split up in 2003. In 2007, she founded the Kathy Freeman Foundation and the foundation works with four remote Indigenous communities to close the gap in education between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australian children by offering incentives for kids to attend school. And they've had um, a lot, a massive impact in those communities as well. In 2009, she married stockbroker James Murch and they have one child together, a daughter named Ruby, who was born in 2011. And finally, just a couple of... Um, I guess like her her awards, uh, recognitions, obviously, like I mentioned before, Australian of the Year in 1998. She won the Australian Sports Medal in 2000. Um, she was given an Order of Australia Medal in 2001. Um, she received the Olympic Order. She won the Deadly Awards 2003 for Female Sports Person of the Year. She was inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame in 2005 and the Queensland Sport Hall of Fame in 2009. And so, yeah, her main her main kind of thing now is working with the Cathy Freeman Foundation and uh, working with Indigenous communities, um, you know, in closing that gap with kids to be um, better educated, which is absolutely massive. Did you say, earlier you mentioned that in one of the races she closed the gap? Was that yeah. intentional? <laughs> it wasn't intentional, no. <laughs> I just didn't know how else to I guess uh describe what she had done there, but no. But yes, it was intentional <laughs> and clever. <laughs> um, like we talked about on last week's episode the that famous uh not quite winning Olympic anthem uh put a gap in them. <laughs> That was in my head all go weekend. Go, good thing. Go, is that one? <laughs> yeah. It. Oh, it's going to be in there for days again now. <laughs> it, might, it might have been even called Go, you good thing. Go, you good thing. Good Put thing. Put a gap in go them. Go, you good thing. Go, you good thing. Go. It's in there now. Classic. Um, but, yeah, that is my report on Kathy Freeman. Fantastic. Great work. Great, Great report. Great Australian. Um, so glad to get a bit of a refresher on that. A lot of stuff I didn't remember. It's kind of a, a shame that uh, that whole the whole thing with Perrick, What a what a bummer that is. Yeah. I wonder what Kathy Freeman thinks about her not being there. Would it have been you know if she beat Perrick, that would have been a an even greater moment, perhaps. Or may, it didn't yeah. feel like it it affected it. I mean, but. Um, yeah, it's just such a shame. She talked a little bit about it and, yeah, it was that sort of thing. that I, There was even a clip and, I mean, it's a free, it's a documentary about Kathy Freeman so obviously it's going to be favourable towards her but there's, um, when it's talking about, you know, Perek and her experience with the media, it sort of goes to a press conference with Kathy Freeman as well and she says, like, you know, she's just there to have a good time and uh, she doesn't want too much pressure and then she says I hope you're treating uh Marie with the respect that she is due right so she had a, they had a lot of respect for each other well mm, it's it, Kathy definitely had a lot of respect for um Perek I think maybe after that incident Perek 
I don't I don't know how she felt about Kathy Freeman afterwards. Um, in an interview, there was something like, "What would you say to Kathy Freeman now?" And she was like, "Nothing." Huh. Um, but it's not Kathy Freeman's fault that the Australian media were hounding her so much. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's a bit bit tricky there. But yeah, she sort of talks about it like it, it would have been great. It, it was sort of what she was working towards was to because she's going. If I want to be the best, I have to beat the best. Yeah. Um, and she was working towards Perex, um, you know, times and working towards beating her and she didn't get to and she's like, and now that race never happened and it will never happen. Right. Yeah, you don't think true. You don't think they'll organise a rematch? Oh. Fuck, that'd be good. 25-year anniversary. That'd be so good. <laughs> in the, in the Masters so comp. Good. That'd be pretty sick. It, it is like, I mean, um, it's like the media was so full on to both of them uh, but yeah. one of them in such a negative way. But I, I imagine both would have made it harder, though. Like, of course, the pressure on Kathy Freeman to win would have been, you know, a lot of people would have crumpled under that. I'd say, absolutely. Not that I, I, I would. obviously the <laughs> negative stuff would have been worse. I don't think anyone was yelling positive things at Kathy after breaking into her house, but um, maybe they were. Well, according to management, they were so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. They actually just left her flowers and um, said, asked her if she needed anything, and That's so they were very nice about it. Anyway, but yeah, that is my report. Well, now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show, uh, the fact, quote, or question section. But really, it's it's more of a, a whole second half of the episode where we thank our great supporters, and you know, we let our listeners get to know us a little bit better because that's right. Uh, we break down that great, curtain. Exactly. Some of our great supporters get to ask us a question, give us a fact, or tell us a quote uh, in this section called "Fact Quote a Question," which has a little jingle that goes something a little like this: Fact, quote, or question. And he never forgets the ding, which is important. <laughs> now, the way this works uh, is you get involved at the. Uh, Sydney Scheinberg level of our Patreon uh, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash to go on or do go on pod.com and uh, once you're in there, you sign up to the Sydney Scheinberg level. There's a bunch of different levels. Dave, what are some of the other levels and rewards or um, things you can get for being a supporter? Well, there are, honestly, there's quite a few. Uh, we put out three bonus episodes per month. We put out an episode of Phrasing the Bar, our Brendan Fraser-themed podcast. Uh, we put out a bonus mini report every single month and uh, also another another episode. Sometimes it's a quiz, sometimes it's a little Q&A, all sorts of stuff in there. And uh, also you get tickets to shows and live streams before anyone else does. You get discounts on those things as well. You can be in our Facebook group, uh, which is just for Patreon supporters, very lovely place uh, on the internet. And uh, we put out a newsletter, all, yeah, all sorts of stuff. And also many, many shout-outs, which you're about to hear a few of. Mm. And, yeah, and and all of that goes towards uh, keeping this show running, our great supporters, um, uh, yeah, the reason we do this bloody show. So exactly. we really, really appreciate everyone. That's the only way that we're able to talk about stuff from the Sydney Olympics six years on. It's the only way. <laughs> I'll never stop talking about the Sydney <laughs> I love, Olympics. I love your enthusiasm for it, Jess. It, it's, it's, it's I fucking love infectious because, honestly, it was a huge time uh, in uh, Aussie culture. So Yeah, awesome. absolutely it was. So um, for this first part, it's the fact, quote, or question section uh, where people get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. They also get to give themselves a title. And I read it out on the show for the first time. So sometimes they mess with me. Let's see if they've done it here. Uh, first one up, we've got Jacob Giron or Giron, perhaps. 
who's given himself the title of lead detective on the case of Matt's Auburn Auburn Locks. Oh, <laughs> okay. okay. I think it's a pretty easy case, um, genetics. No, I reckon that's, that's a full task force dedicated to that mystery. <laughs> I like how he said Auburn. Um, I never know what colour hair to, to say. I just Generally I say red, but it has sort of dulled over the years. My my beard hair is still bright red, but my head hair not is... Not dulled. It's not dull. It's, hey. It's, sort it's of, darkened. It's darkened. It's got a bit It mousy. is auburn. auburn. It is a bit auburn. But auburn feels and, good. I like auburn. I don't, but the beard really throws people off because it is very red. Yeah, flaming. I'm starting to understand why we need a, we needed someone dedicated to cracking open this case. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought it was open and shut and I was wrong. Uh, so Jacob asked the question, if you could have any celebrity on the pod, who would it be? Kathy Freeman. Oh, that would be yeah. awesome actually. Oh, okay. Who's a good celeb? Yeah, and I want to do, should we be thinking of ones we've had on in the past as with a story or yeah. Dolly Parton. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, great. I would love to have a chat to Dolly Parton. Oh, that'd be good. Uh Mari Curie, so we could ask, did you invent penicillin? Did you? Was it you? Tell me. The celebrity, Mari Curie. <laughs> <laughs> that's She's the, famous. That's the nerd's answer to this question. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a celebrity. Um uh celeb- let me I'm gonna quickly Google celebrity. Oh, oh, okay, dear. great. Take your pick. See, you can't even think of a celebrity. Celebrity. Think of a famous person, a Kardashian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Matt knows them Kendall. all, I'm sure. Kendall? Kendall. Kendall. That's quite good. Okay. That's quite, quite good, good that is. So on one. the celebrity Wikipedia page, the first picture is of Andy Warhol. Get, okay, get Andy on. Warhol. Would you have him on? Get him, absolutely, I would. Oh, because of his, he coined the phrase 15 minutes of fame. That makes sense. Did he? David Letterman's there. He'd be great to have on. What, what phrase did he coin? Uh, doesn't have any phrases coined by Take him. Take away LeBron Paul. James. Oh, Kim Kardashian's there, Jess. Yeah, she's a celebrity. Paris Hilton. <laughs> they've got the House of Windsor. They're all the photos I've got on the. Of those, I'll choose David Letterman, please. Okay. I'll take LeBron. Great. Great. And Jess, who are you taking from that list? Oh, from that list? Sorry. No, she already picked Dolly. Don't make her Dolly. take it Dolly. It's got to be Dolly. Um, but, yeah, Kathy Freeman, uh, would be, I'd love to hear uh, the inside scoop. Thank you so much for that question, Jacob. Uh, the next one comes from Carolyn Slater, who's given herself the title of Sausage Roll Maker but willing to give pies a crack for Dave's sake. Oh, thank you so Aww. much. I've always That's been nice. more of a roll man myself. Mm. Uh, well, I wish you were there yesterday when uh, there's a fantastic bakery near where I work and I uh, went down. They sell out every day. So you got to get there at a, a certain time. They should make more stuff. Oh, honestly, I get furious sometimes. I've been there at 11.55 a.m., not even midday, and they're sold out of pies. Unbelievable. That's ridiculous. Are they making three pies a day? <laughs> I think so, and I'm trying to buy them all. Yesterday I'm sent down to buy three pies, one for myself, oh. two for colleagues, I get there. There's only two pies and one sausage roll left. I come oh, back. Did you fall and I have on your to, roll? Oh, I have to be like, oh, what, which one do you want? No, I'll, <laughs> I'll have it. I'll have anything. You, you'll take the sausage roll. No worries. I'll just hand it to them really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not yeah, finding you. Yeah, that was all my, always my Friday tuck shop. Was a, a sausage roll with sauce and a strawberry big M. Oh, yes, that's a good combo. Yes, Matt, you and I. Kindred spirits. Um, so <laughs> that, and we're only we've only got to, to Carolyn's title. 
Uh, but she's Great also offered, offered us a quote. <laughs> and here it is. Uh, Carolyn writes, This is a quote from artist Lisa Congdon, who is an amazing illustrator from the United States. It consists of four statements that you may have read in other contexts or phrased differently by other people. I, I like these a lot. Thanks, Carolyn. All right, here we go. Number one, you cannot and will not please everyone. That is a fact of life. Uh, number two, by taking care of your own needs, you will sometimes disappoint or even anger other people. Number three, how other people react to your choice is not your responsibility. And number four, the greatest responsibility you have is to your own well-being and happiness. Disagree with all of those. <laughs> <laughs> My happiness, very much the responsibility of other people. <laughs> yeah, no, no I... those are all good things to remember, but very hard to do so. Yeah, I like them too. There's got there should. I feel like I'd put a fifth one in there going, still care about other people a bit. <laughs> it is like four ways to make it all about you, but it is, you know, being a bit facetious there, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> they do sound. They do sound like um, uh, some good things to think about, though. Mm. Lisa Congdon, familiar with her work? No. Great name. Condon. Are we Kong? C O N G D O N. I'm on board now. I thought it was one letter away from condom, but we're back in the game. <laughs> it's two letters away. <laughs> exactly. Two letters. Two steps. It's fine, Lisa. It's alright. <laughs> I'll allow it. Very bright and colourful stuff coming up. I'm I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Uh, I'm all about big, colourful art. Then you would love Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like I like some of this stuff. Looks like uh, good wrapping paper designs. Oh, you know, or like rugs, or oh. something like that. Okay. Man, that, that is not a compliment to an artist, is it? I take both of those back. It looks great. I'd have I'd have a rug of that. <laughs> I reckon wrapping paper's more offensive. I'd rip that open. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, that, there's a big, uh, yeah, I like that sort of stuff. Good stuff. Love your work there, Lisa Kongdon, if you are listening. Thank you so much for that quote, Carolyn. Uh, next one comes from Braden Douglas. He's given himself the title of Brevity Boy. Ooh, this sounds like a, a snappy one coming up. <laughs> uh, Braden's offered us a quote. And that quote is, to make up for that half-hour-long submarine fact. Oh, you get remember that submarine fact? It was quite a mini-report in itself a few Who months back. Uh, I think I've repressed it. I do not remember it at all. It was about camouflage. Anyway, Braden is making up for that long one with a short one here today, and that is, brevity is the soul of wit. You know who said that? Falstaff. Lisa Congdon. <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I think it's Jack Falstaff. Oh, who's that? Is that right? Is he a character? He oh, a it's not weird, character? actually. No, I'm thinking of Brevity Is. Brevity Is. Now that, that is what it, That's it is. That's good. That is good. Brevity Is. Is. Can I be quoted as that? <laughs> yes. Can I put that on your tombstone? No, I'm thinking of the other, the Falstaff quote, discretion is the better part of valor. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Soul of wit. Dave, are you, are you admitting you fucked up? Yeah, fuck yeah, I am. Uh, it is from Hamlet, Act 2, Scene 2. Who could forget? You, apparently. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who could forget? Uh, you just did. Fuck it in front of everyone. <laughs> That's a... Dave, 
did you did you think we'd forgotten what happened thirty <laughs> seconds earlier? Look, I was making fun of myself forget. there. I'll be honest. But. Okay, well that's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> Let me be brief. All right, and finally, uh, we've got Vincenzo Bonadonna. Oh, Vinny! He's given himself the title of I'm actually that Italian greyhound that Jess knows. Shout out to all the <gasps> puppers. Vincenzo, <laughs> my former neighbour who I miss every day. Not dead, they just moved. <laughs> oh, to the farm? Yeah. <laughs> Do you dog it's owners still, is this still a thing where you say doggos and puppers? I don't personally, but a lot of people do, yes. Well, I'm still waiting it out. I might get a dog once Dave that's over. Dave says papa. Dave says papa. Don't you, Dave? Papa. I think pup. I say pup. No, you just say pup. pup my pup. You just say pup. You call all dogs pup and I yeah, like that Yeah, but much. sometimes that uh, doesn't go so well at the park when I say, oh, what's your pup's name? And they look at me and go, it's not a pup. It's five years old. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but come, I'm saying what's your dog's name, mate? Come on. Fucking hell. It's kind of like, you know. Even though we're adults now, we're always our parents' children. That's right, you the know? kids. Yeah. Exactly. They still see um, us as their My kids. children are not actually goats. <laughs> that, <laughs> they sound like every time I hear more about people at the dog park, I think, geez, they sound like fun, don't they? <laughs> well, You do meet some people where you're like, oh, I hope we don't run into yes, you unfortunately, that often. Other people you're yeah. like, you're the best. Right, okay. Unfortunately, there's no, you don't get a licence to get a dog. Unfortunately, yeah. only only cool people, in my opinion, should get them. But ah, <laughs> oh, then I would not qualify. <laughs> no, uh, you're all right. You wouldn't. You wouldn't correct me on how old your dog is. No, I just tell you. Uh, You'd say how old your pup, and I'd say this age, and you go cool, nice, cool, 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 cool. Whatever. Uh this week we rounded out the big three. The fact, quote, or question again. Uh, Vincenzo has given us a fact here, oh. and it reads thusly. I would like to share a podcast with y'all. Oh. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't like podcasts. <laughs> Not for me. No, thank you. A friend of mine who is a musician started a podcast called The Sing Along Podcast. It's run by Casey from the band Second Echo. I live in Las Vegas. This is still Vincent uh, Vincenzo talking, not me. I live in Las <laughs> Vegas and the podcast has introduced uh, me to good artists in the local scene and I want to share it with all the people in this network if you want to check it out, I give it a big recommendation. Uh, thank you three for being a great reason to be excited each Wednesday morning. Keep up the fantastic work. And thank you for letting me share with you all. That's nice. Oh, Anya Vincenzo. That's lovely. What a fact. I and did what, not know yeah, that fact you. before. And uh, what was the podcast called? The Sing Along Podcast. Uh, good title. Sing Along. Yeah, the Sing Along Podcast. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. All right, they're, they're the facts, the quotes, and the questions. Now we'd like to thank a few of our other great Patron supporters. Uh, normally Jess comes up with a game um, to do with the topic we just had. I was thinking of coming up with their new Olympic sports, like uh, <laughs> car high okay. jump. what their gold medalists in. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, well, may I kick it off? Yes. Well, I would love to thank, firstly, from London in Great Britain, a place we really love getting to. Hopefully we can do so again one day. Uh, I'd love to thank Kristen, Kristen Thorley. Oh, oh, Kristen is uh, a gold medalist in something parkour. Cup of tea. <laughs> Dog parkour. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you say dog? Okay. 
Does that mean dog. the dogs do the parkour or you do parkour on the dog? What you do is you do parkour in a dog costume. Oh, that's <laughs> that's even better. Thus limiting some of your uh, movement. You know? I love that. It was really cute. Love that very much. And congratulations on the gold medal, Kristen. Huge. Yeah. I'd also love to thank from Lutz uh, in Florida in the United States, Marcus Smith. Lutz. Made me think of Lionel Hutz. Dave, can you do anything okay. with that? Uh, okay. Uh, what about uh, advanced cobbling? So shoe repair. <laughs> well, uh, gold medal in shoe repair. Advanced wow. cobbling. Advanced cobbling. cobbling. It's it's yeah. It's 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 in the speed. Okay. Advanced and the accuracy. Advanced speed cobbling. <laughs> mm, mm. Oh, that's. I mean, that's the kind of thing that is. You know, you get accolades for, but it's also a handy skill to have at home. Oh, for sure, absolutely. You could cobble together anything. <laughs> you is it, or cobble, is it just shoes? Couple a pair out of anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you so much, Marcus. And finally for me, I'd love to thank from address unknown, return to sender, it's Sarah Carbar. <laughs> oh, the fortress of the moles perhaps? <laughs> Could be. Oh, can only assume, yes. Carbar, Carbar, Kabu. Carbar. I reckon Sarah Carboff uh, is another option. Uh, is a world champion digger. Whoa. <laughs> digging Just a good big at digging hole. holes. Big holes Digs. or quick holes? Lots of holes. Um, well, there's there's a couple of different uh, events within. It's sort of like, you know, being like, oh, she's good at athletics. Like what event? <laughs> so within digging, um, there's either like how fast, uh, how wide. <laughs> wow. Yep. What about how long? Is that a matter, ma- yes. is that a matter of perspective? <laughs> That's yeah, that's actually is. more ditching, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ditching is in a different. It's a different event. Yeah, but you're getting it. Gold medal in ditching. I like it. Do not make plans with that person. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ditch anything. <laughs> Can I thank some people as oh, well? I love Easy. that so much. I would love to thank from Auckland, where Kathy won her first Commonwealth gold medal. Oh, cool. Recently named the most livable city in the world. Was it? Yeah. Damn, we had that title for a bit. Oh, we've we? slipped yeah. down the list. I think COVID are we eighth? A bit, but yeah, a little bit. No, uh, eighth or ninth? Yeah. Yeah. What? Just because we went into several lockdowns. Adelaide's number three, I think. <laughs> Fuck off! <Yeah. laughs> it's so boring. No, I love no, I'm sorry, no, I, I get Adelaide. I get told off for bagging out Adelaide. Lovely. I was I was just there. It's beautiful. I think. Well, I think the, it's the kind of award the you know the massive cities of the world never win this because they got so much traffic and. Pollution, all yeah. these sort of things. It, it's, it's the, it's for like the, um, slightly smaller big cities is, um, the ones who win it. So it always felt like Sydney hasn't been up there that high in Australia for a while because it's probably because it's so big and that sort of stuff. That's where mm-hmm. Melbourne comes up. Melbourne will start slipping down. Adelaide and Brisbane come up. I think that's how it'll go. Who cares? We're talking about Auckland <laughs> and from Auckland. <laughs> I would love to thank Ellen Gibbs. <laughs> what about uh, a gold medal for feet archery? Oh. Feet archery. Farchery. Farchery. <laughs> <laughs> no, not to be confused with farchery, please. Different sport. Different. We have to fart arrows into a... <laughs> you have to fart very accurately. <laughs> yeah, but you put a little, little shoot, poop shoot in your butt, like a straw sort of... Device, yeah, and you have to give it all you got. <laughs> <laughs> Got to eat a lot of beans. Well, 
I'll Dave. tick that off. Yep. <laughs> Dave would be a master. I had a half a master can for breakfast. <laughs> I'm going for the brown medal. <laughs> it's a call back to a phrasing the bar episode from a little while back. <laughs> <laughs> Which also, um, actually, also, that that riff about the brown metal came about from a discussion on the Barcelona Olympics. Uh, I don't remember that. Oh, you were we were we were. Um, oh, is this when I was like fifteen? Yeah, we late. were talking shit while you were <laughs> on your way. I can't remember what what movie was that, Dave or Jess. I, I think it was the one sorry. where he played his own twin. Yeah. Mrs. Winterbourne. Winter, Mrs. Winterbourne. Oh, fantastic. Great that, work. Right? That was it. Yeah. With with Ricky Lake. Oh, yeah. Anyway, thank you to Ellen Gibbs. I would also love to thank from Bakersfield in California. <laughs> no, that's would <laughs> <laughs> Love to thank, oh, Ashley C. Baker from oh, Bakersfield. What? Is that nominative she determinism? She is a gold medalist. Yes, I was going to say she's a gold medalist in nominative determinism. Brilliant. You both went there. I wasn't there, so gold medals to you as well. I'm slowly reclining. I'm I'm on my bed and I'm almost in lying position now. This is yep. a real relaxed segment of the show. You, it's okay. We, we're getting there. Jess and I are on desks at home, but you've got your microphone. You've just gone handheld this whole time. <laughs> That's bold. Mate, you need that a, right there is bold. You need a Madonna headset mic. That's what you need. <laughs> oh, that would have been fantastic. Yes. Can we get those? Oh. That'd be sick. That's all I need. I've got a standing desk at home now. If I could have a Madonna mic, I will be unstoppable. <laughs> you go for Jess. <laughs> yeah, I could I could do the podcast. I'll get a little treadmill underneath my standing desk. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm training. I'm training for the Olympics. Um, so Ashley C. Baker, we're going for she's a gold medalist in nominative determinism. <laughs> Yeah, love I that. like it. I like it a lot. Great, Alex C. Baker. <laughs> Alex C. Baker. Alex Do Baker. Ashley <laughs> C. Baker. <laughs> it's in front of you, you fuckhead. <laughs> Damn it. Um, finally, for me, I would love to thank from San Diego, Aaron Stosel. Uh, what about gold medal and fastest time to stock an entire vending machine? Holy shit, it's completely empty? It's completely empty and you've got drinks, Whoa. you've got snacks, you've got those weird little nut things that no one wants to buy all in wow. there. Wow. What do you think would be the hardest thing to stack into a vending machine? Sex robot. Great point. <laughs> Great point. I imagine they've made it happen somewhere. but uh... Chuck Japan probably. they got everything in vending yeah, machines there. It's amazing. Machine. Yeah, I remember a friend came back from there. We were in our early 20s, like, there's beer in vending machines in Japan. <laughs> Couldn't believe Everyone's it. Everyone's like, what? So excited to tell me. <laughs> he came home to tell you. <laughs> yeah, cut his trip short. <laughs> came home early, i got to tell you. Um, Dave, would you like to thank some people Oh, fantastic. Also? I was just trying to count if it was up to me yet. Thank you so much to all the people so far, but let's keep it going. From Basildon in Great Britain. Oh, love that, Basildon. Sean Benson. Sean Benson. Sean Benson. Benson and Hedges, he's a gold medalist at chain smoking. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was an event in the 70s and then they went, oh, this oh. is bad. So it's not there anymore. It has been replaced by skateboarding, which is now. <laughs> Equally as dangerous. Event. They were a big. <laughs> and gnarly. I'm pretty, 
Yeah, I think they were a big cricket sponsor in the 90s, Benson and Hedges. That's all I associate with, Benson and Hedges Cup or something. Ah, yeah. I didn't know that. There you go. Well, you're not uh, as old as the wind. (laughs) (laughs) I create my own. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Sean. Uh, From uh, Epsom in Victoria, I would like to thank Rebecca Fisher. Rebecca Fisher. Well, there's an obvious one there. She is a Beck Judd merch collector. Yes. A gold medal in collecting Beck Judd merch. Mm. That's probably the one we're all thinking. Yes. Just just for someone who might not know what sort of merch Beck Judd has, what's her latest line got? Well, you would know better than me. Didn't she make news when she was like selling T-shirts saying uh, complaining about lockdown or something? Yeah, <laughs> locked down in her fucking mansion. Oh no! With a pool and a tennis court, and oh no, I mean I'm stuck in my gigantic house. I do want to get locked down in that house. <laughs> I'd get locked down in that house tomorrow, <laughs> and we come out of lockdown tomorrow. But it's all, I guess it, put me back it's in. It's all relative, right? If you're used to being able to be in there and anywhere else, then that would be. Yeah, it would be right. a pain, but it was. It, Matt, don't sympathise. It, it seemed like it, it wasn't quite reading the room at the time where everyone's yeah. locked down in their little places when you're going. Yes. Anyway, good on her. I'm in my one bedroom apartment. Yeah, nah. Well, uh, still, a gold medal must go to Rebecca Fisher for collecting all that merchandise, and I assume yeah, well putting done. it in a bin. Thank you, <laughs> okay. so Rebecca, taking it away from everyone. And uh, finally, I would like to thank from. Uh, I don't know this place, Waniassa in the Australian Capital Territory, Garth hmm. Van Dorn. Oh, oh that's, that's a fantastic name. name. And if the R in the end, Garth if you Van look... Dorn's name gave me a Garth Van Horn. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at it with quite small font here, Matt, and uh, the R in the end seemed to run together, so I first thought it was going to be Garth Van Doom, and I thought Ooh, that, also good. that's, that's the coolest name, name I've ever heard. <laughs> Garth Van Doom. <laughs> Should it? Should we get Garth to change his name? Do you reckon? I reckon, Dave. If you ever Van do Dorn. a sequel to your book, One Death, Two Murderers, you <laughs> should get Darth Garth Van Doom in there. Oh, that's going to be the yes. bad guy. Because I think oh. people did request it. I'm sure that they want you to write a new story for a, a, a Patreon bonus episode. Well, what have I told you that I was clearing out stuff recently and uh, I found uh, not not a sequel but uh, another book that a young David Warnicke wrote, this one <laughs> no. in grade three called Crusher. Wait, who's David Warnicke? Who's <laughs> <laughs> David Warnicke? Hang on a second. <laughs> that, that was my, my pen name is David Warnicke. They'll never guess. Ah. They'll never guess. <laughs> Oh, that's so, exciting. Wow, there's another one. When was the first one written? Oh, that was grade six, so this is three oh. years worse than that. Can you wow. imagine? Three years worse? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be nice and say three years earlier, but <laughs> nah. three years worse is probably I'd love you to write an update, <laughs> though, Dave. You've got to write Garth Van Doom into the story. Garth Van Doom. Please, someone remind me of that. I need to remember that name. Garth Van so Doom, Garth Van Dorn. All right, he is uh, the gold Olympic gold medalist in. What are we thinking? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, we had to I thought you were, I thought yet. you were working towards something there, but you were inviting help. Uh, what about <laughs> um, truck conversions? Oh, so he, okay. he converts into trucks what? into um, moving homes. 
Oh, love that. Wow, truck Tiny, tiny homes. homes. Yeah. <laughs> At first that. I was thinking like uh, Transformers, but I thought yes. that might have been difficult. So <laughs> he converts trucks into killer robots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So depending on how much your budget is, he does one or the other. No, I love that. Like everyone goes to the Olympics and everyone's got these beautiful tiny homes, but Garth Van Dorn's just come along with Optimus Prime and they're like, give that man the medal. Can't compete with He that. didn't, I mean, it's not quite what we were going for, but it is very that, impressive. That's very creative. And honestly, you haven't broken any rules, so here you go. Yeah. Also. Nobody wrote into the rule book that it couldn't be a Transformer, so you got us on a talent, like, but we will write that in for next your year. Your robot looks like it could kill us if we don't give you the gold medal, so we're going to yeah. give it to you. It's looking at us with its your red eyes. Your robot is pointing a gun. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Congratulations, Garth. Huge. Well, that leaves us with nothing else to do but thank some of our great Long-term supporters. We've opened up the Trip Ditch Club a little while back for supporters who uh, are on board from the shout-out level for three straight years. Uh, we mm-hmm. invite them into the Trip Ditch Club. It's a beautiful little spot. It's both in your mind, but it's a real place as well in my heart. And in it, uh, there's booths, uh, there's a bar, there's like a spa area where you can get massages. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's uh, what, there's a, like a volleyball field. <laughs> What else is in there, Jess? <laughs> Were you thinking um, foosball or full volleyball field? Full, bo- full volleyball field uh, and foosball yeah. as well. There's a helipad. There's a helipad, yeah, if you want to fly in. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so yeah, anything you anything, can imagine. Yeah, really anything we can it. imagine so yeah, far. Anything. Not that much, but uh, anything you can imagine. Is... Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> And so okay, we're pretty if you support us for that period, uh, you're in and you're in for life. Um, I'm standing on the door. I've got the the guest list in my hot little hand. I'm ready to tick your names off as you're welcomed in. Uh, Dave, no, Jess, no, Dave will hype you up and then Jess will hype Dave up because he needs every hype man, needs a hype woman or something like that. Uh, Jess, you've also, you normally come up with a, a special cocktail Yes, well, uh, to go with the colour scheme of the Australian Olympic team and also Cathy's swift suit, everything is gold and yellow. So uh, drink-wise, it will be Maduri-based cocktails. Love it. Food-wise, you're thinking broccoli, (laughs) mango, (laughs) peas, (laughs) lemon. Bowl of peas. Okay, bowl of peas if you want it. uh, yeah, so just anything green and, and yellow yes. we've got colours. Yeah, just for, for the confused listeners, what Jess said, you know, yellow and gold, The there's also there's green in there as well. Did I say yellow yeah. and gold? I, the, I really need to pee and it's affecting my brain. You're thinking everything in yellow. <laughs> just need to pee. you got yellow on the mind. Yeah. All right, quickly, Dave, who's the band? Let's get Jess to uh, that toilet. We've got uh, Tina Arena covering the music of Cheap Trick. Oh, fantastic. So, oh, great so Look forward stuff. to that. Who, I can't remember their Will songs. Will she do the Dream, Are they Dream Police? No, I always get confused with those old bands. Oh, but I thought it would just be right in your wheelhouse. No, this is this is not in my wheelhouse. Cheap All Trick. Right. People also ask, what's Cheap Trick's biggest hit? I Want You to Want Me. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, remember that one? And covered the flame. For, um, I think it was covered by a ska band for, or a pop ska band for. Um, Letters to Cleo. Oh, right. What was the movie? Uh, Ten Things, things I Hate About You. <laughs> Love that. I think it was Letters to Cleo. Please don't at me if I'm wrong. Just don't. I can't Honestly, handle it. Her, she needs to know. <laughs> 
No, darn. Well, there's quite a few inductees this week, so I think we're going to get we're going to hit so it with many. a real great pace. Uh, oh, are you ready, gosh. Dave? To um, Dave, there's like sixteen, so I'll, I'll let's do one each. We'll we'll, we'll back right. and forth. Okay, thanks let's so much. I appreciate that a lot. Back really and do. forth. All right, first up from Rawlins in uh, Wyoming in the United States is Jacob Vallo. Oh, keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was going to say Vallo. <laughs> That's good. Keep Vallo and keep rolling, rolling, rolling. From Pflugerville in Texas, the United States, it's John Paul Mabachu. Well, I'm all Mabachu and I'm going to get to know you a little better. Come on Incredible. in. Incredible. From London in Great Britain, it's Alexander Jan Mohammed. Uh, Jahanmed at hello. Like you had me at hello. Is that kind of something? That's something, yes. We've got so many. From Rhodes in New South Wales, Australia, it's Kayla Atkins. Well, I'm on the Atkin diet of you. (laughs) Yeah, you're on fire. You You are on fire. (laughs) From address unknown, return to sender, it's Alastair McGregor. Alice, dare you? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Dare, some sort of dare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dare, um, yeah, it's good. Alice dare wins. Who dares wins? Who Alice dare wins? Yes, yes, yes there it yes, is. There yes. it is. Uh, well, let me try. There it is. Who Alice, Alice dare wins? wins? From Truro yes. in Cornwall, Great Britain. It's Nick Lean. Lean on me, Nick Lean. <laughs> yes, gosh, you're good tonight. Come on From in. From Everett in <laughs> Washington, I think, in the United States, it's Richard Compo. Oh, you've got all the comp-o tickets you want tonight, my friend. Yeah, bring a friend <laughs> if you want. From what the hell not? Perth in Western <laughs> Australia, it's Jessica Banazak or Banazjak. And I am Banazak about you. <laughs> okay, you're have to explain bananas. that one. Like bananas, I'm bananas okay. about you. <laughs> Love it. I didn't get it, but I was just there for you. <laughs> Thank you. That's all you have to do, Dave. From Hampton East in Victoria, Australia, it's Adam Trigier. <laughs> Thank God you're Trigier. Yes. Woo! Get your ass in Trigier. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> that one made more sense. Uh, from Charlotte. Thank God you're here. Thank God you're here. You got that right. I got, Thank God I got you're it. Trigier. I don't know if it was amazing. It was listeners amazing. will get the reference to a, a 15-year-old Australian comedy, but... <laughs> Uh, from Chardon in Ohio, United States, it's Glenn Mitchell. Uh, well, Chardon me and come on <laughs> in, Glenn Mitchell. How they do Chardon? Fuck. That's Chardon much better. Me. That's honestly. Was that meant to be part of me? Because it sounds like. Yes. Sh- like shit. Chardon shart on me. Chardon me. Okay, Dave was better. <laughs> no, Jess, you have been at a 99% hit rate this week. I. I've got to say, you're on fire. Thank you so much. From Let's keep Red going. Lion in Pennsylvania, the United States, it's Luke Harbour. Harbour. Ooh, I'd be Red Lion if I didn't say I was excited to see you. <laughs> yes. Yes. From Yokine in Western Australia, it's Andrew Martin. Oh, we need <laughs> something about your kind. What about you're like, too uh, kind. Yes, you're you're too kind, Andrew Martin. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> I don't think that is where it is, but we're getting oh, I there. I love this next place, Clarence Town. You know, my uncle uses that as a shorthand for the C bomb, Clarence Hunt. These Clarence, <laughs> oh, Clarence Town from Clarence Town in New South Wales, Australia. It's Joanna Wade. Uh, you Anna know Clarence. 
something like You Ain't No Clarence, or We've Been Wading Through Some People Tonight, but I am stoked to have you here more than anyone so far, something like that. You Joanna made my day. Yes, yes, that's, there it is. Delete the rest. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) From Kingsford in New South Wales, Australia, it's Eric S. Lee. And I am... Something on King? Yeah, okay, okay, yep. Um... The king, you are driving the king's Ford. (laughs) (laughs) His car. Wow. You're a chauffeur to the king. Yeah, of course he is. Of course he got a chauffeur. From Perth (laughs) in, oh, wait, let me just double check. That's Australian. No, it's from Perth in Great Britain in Scotland. It's Christopher Skilling. Wow. (laughs) You have got the skills, my friend. You've got the skills. Yes. Christopher Skilling. And Always upskilling. He yeah, is always, always upskilling. We've Love lost that. momentum. Let's hit this last one hard. We're f- from Pierre in South Dakota in the United States. It's Alan Harstad. <laughs> Come on, you used to do this so quick. Like, okay, you have a go then. Uh, it's not so what? hard, Stad. Alan's the <laughs> easiest, Stad. He's the best. Good on you. Welcome <laughs> in, my man. Yes, Alan. The beauty of it used to be Dave didn't think and he'd say something awful. You guys are now trying to be too good at it. Okay, okay. that was like 16 of them. That was hard. You do lose a bit of the momentum. And I'll give you notes off pod like normal so we don't have to do it here. (laughs) (laughs) They get berated. (laughs) What were you thinking? You embarrassed me out there tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. What a fun time we've had, hopefully. Hopefully we've had some fun I mean, here. At least um, I've had fun. <laughs> uh, I've had a mildly good time. <laughs> well, I enjoyed your report. I enjoyed you reading out those names, Matt, and I think it's safe to say that Jess and I get the gold medal for those those shout outs at the end. Oh, big time! Yeah, uh, that was a that was an endurance. Race. Thanks so much <laughs> exactly. to all the names we read out uh, in the in the second half of the show. Honestly, keep the show running. You're the best. I uh, love you all individually and uniquely. And if people want to join that list of uh, fantastic names, you can go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod or just dogoonpod.com. We can also find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, our email, dogoonpod at gmail.com, our YouTube channel. And uh, we should also say that the uh, episodes we filmed live in Melbourne back in uh, April and May, are av- March and April, I should say, are available at... Uh, sospresents.com and there's a link in the description of this episode and you get to see uh, see and hear stuff that people didn't hear on the normal episodes as well as a little bit of bonus content at the end of each of those. A lot of fun. Big shout out uh, to great uh, listener and, and um, friend of the show, Vincent Chen, for editing that package together. Um, yeah, really good stuff. You made us look good, Vinny. We appreciate it. Or as good as you could. Love you, Vinny. <laughs> yeah, we you did good stuff with yeah. what you were given. Comparatively good <laughs> to us. Yeah, we are dog shit people, so well done. But, yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode, but until then we'll say thanks for listening and I'll say goodbye. Laters. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.